podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs England daily podcast by the fans for the fans. Virat Kohli's India with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Root's England with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour. Good luck to both sides. May the best team win. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Test Daily. I'm the Cricket Badger, James Butler, and delighted to say I'm joined by Anand Beaker and Ash Turner today. Indian and English representation on the podcast to talk, uh, well, to look ahead to the third Test match in Ahmedabad. Anand, I was looking at the uh, social media feeds yesterday, looking at some of the footage of the guys training in the new stadium. That is a vast place, isn't it? I mean, it's not particularly pretty from the inside, is it? It's just big and circular and loads and loads of seats in there. But I am Imagine when there's 110,000 in there cheering on an IPL game, that is going to be some place. It should lead for some fantastic atmosphere within that ground. It almost reminds me of some of the football grounds that we have out in the US, which are just massive. There's a lot of people who can attend there. And it sort of has that gladiatorial feel with that big bowl out there. So the footage inside is sort of stunning. Sure, when you're looking at sort of for some traditional element, it certainly seems to be missing there. But the facilities do look immaculate. I've been hearing that there's four different dressing rooms and things like that. So it should be great. You know, it should be a great venue to actually play cricket. Yeah, it looks terrific, doesn't it, Ash? I mean, it's, it's just massive, isn't it? It's just huge. I mean, we're used in, in in England, obviously, to the nice kind of traditional looking pavilion and sort of seat spaced out and county grounds even more so. But as Alan says, that is just a proper massive stadium. It's certainly impressive. I mean, you only see stadiums like that over here, really. You're looking at Wembley, you're looking at the biggest football stadium. So it's certainly impressive. And although it maybe does lack a little bit of sort of the, the traditional look of a cricket ground, you just modern stadia are always going to look, look more like that because of the facilities they need to have and because of trying to fit all the people in and I, I just think it looks amazing and I must admit watching Stuart Broad's video sort of the walk down from the changing room yeah. looks mightily impressive and you can only imagine how sort of intense that atmosphere will be walking down that little, little walkway when it when it's filled with fans yeah it's, it's quite a distance isn't it that walk I mean, we obviously, I think in probably most grounds, there's a fairly decent walk out to the middle. But and that that one's yeah a little bit more exposed, isn't it? And you you, you can imagine walking out there with your team three for two, the nerves tingling, and as Ash says, the the crowd quite close by. That's going to be quite some feel walking out to bat. Absolutely, should be amazing. You know, cricketers often talk about walking down Lords, and you know, you get that sort of traditional feel, but you still have to walk through the long room out onto the pitch. So it takes a little bit for a visiting team's cricketer to kind of get through there. Here, sort of different feel, but there is that long sort of winding walk right to the stadium. If it's packed full of spectators, it should be amazing for anybody kind of walking into bat. One of the things that we've got ahead of this test match that starts on Wednesday, Ash, is the the unknown, isn't it really? Because every ground in the world plays slightly differently. Far be it from me to try and sound scientific when it comes to swing bowling, but often the whether there's trees near the ground, the sort of situation of the, the stands, the airflow, all the rest of it kind of contribute to whether how a pitch plays. We have no idea with this one, do we? we we're kind of going into Wednesday, the players going into Wednesday, not quite knowing. It is a total unknown. Not only is it pink ball, not only is it day and night, but to have a complete new ground, this sort of big bowl, 
you really do not know how it's going to react. As you say, we're so used to saying, oh, there's the slope at Lords. This is how it's going to go. You look at Trent Bridge, you look at Headley, you know what you're going to expect from, from that day. But we, we are literally going into it, not only unsure on what the pink ball is going to do under the lights, under these conditions anyway, but then we have conditions at a venue that we've never seen cricket at before anyway. So it's not even like we can say, well, in the daytime, it normally does this. We, we are literally walking into it completely unknown, which I think makes it more exciting for both sets of fans and for the players, but must make it an absolute headache for, for both pundits and the selectors, I would say. I was going to ask you that, exactly that point, and the selectors and the coaching staff, etc., looking ahead to this fixture. Yeah, you go to some grounds, you know exactly what you're expected to cope with and you pick your team accordingly. For this one, is there a... I mean, I've seen English fans suggesting that we just play seam bowlers because it's going to swing. There's no guarantee with a pink ball that it's going to going to do anything. I've seen pink ball tests where it's been really fairly limp affair, to be honest. So you've got to almost pick your 11 with a bit of balance there for... Any, anything that might come up? Absolutely. I think there's a lots of unknowns here. You know, back in the day at the old Ahmedabad Stadium, I think that was one of the most friendliest batting venues in India. But this is a brand new stadium. It's really hard to tell what's going to happen. Even if we try to look at trends with previous day-night tests, there's been one in India where India played Bangladesh. That was heavily, that was played at the Eden Gardens. And I think the Indian seamers took 18 wickets out of 20 that fell. Jadeja got one over of bowling. But again, that was Kolkata. It was really a seamer's paradise. It's really hard to tell what's going to happen in Ahmedabad just because we don't really have any kind of statistical analysis or we don't have anything in the past that we can look forward to. If you're picking the Indian team, Anand, how, how do you stack it? Do you go with something very similar to the Red Bull game last week where you do have the options there or do, do you go with more seamers? So it really depends on how the pitch looks like. Well, it looked very green yesterday when I saw pictures of it, but I imagine they're going to shave some of that off. Certainly, it looked like Archer was really happy when he saw some <laughs> of those pictures, but I think it's guaranteed that that pitch is not going to look as green as it looked in that picture. It almost was reminiscent of Lords when we first saw that picture that was being shared around social media. I think that the ball will eventually spin. I would think that India would still go in with two spinners and maybe look at seeing whether a third pacer is required or not. What about you, Ash, from an English perspective? Do you see expect to see a change in the balance of the side for England or will they go with something very similar to what they've played already? I would probably go with something we've, we've played already if I'm, if I'm honest. I would probably expect that the green disappears and it maybe looks a little bit more like the footage from the Mars rover come Wednesday but it's amazing that, that footage isn't it by the way it it's, just, it's hard to actually watch that and actually comprehend that that's actually Mars but that's a completely different <laughs> podcast but it's amazing <laughs> it is but yeah I, I, but I have a feeling England are going to go with just the one spinner I've got a feeling they'll go with Leach they'll bowl quite a lot of overs through root if needed but they'll go with Wokes as sort of that number eight instead whether that's the right decision or not it's hard to say I wouldn't want to back one horse that that much but I've got a fe- just got a feeling that after everything's gone involving and best recently about not trusting him that Chris Wokes who's been on this tour and has yet to play a game maybe maybe this is where he gets his go I'm expecting to see Wokes play I think I would go against the option of just playing one frontline spinner I mean Joe Root's a better spinner than than a part-timer certainly what happens if Jack Leach gets wrapped on the knuckles by Jasper Bummer in, in, his, in his in the first innings batting or something like that and can't bowl you know you, you do leave yourself open don't you a little bit to not having uh, a, enough cover there if you only have one real frontline spinner 
that is always, I guess, the risk in general in Test cricket. I think we saw that, obviously, even with Jimmy Anderson in the first Test of the Ashes, it's probably worse. Injury substitutes maybe need to be looked at. That is, that is your issue. Can you really go into a subcontinent game with, with one spinner and a part-timer, knowing that you could end up, through no fault of your own, end up down to just the one part-time spinner? It, it would be a brave move. For some reason, I just think England are going to be brave and are going to risk it, thinking this is their best chance of winning and go for it. But I'm with you. I'm not sure it'll be the right decision. BlackRatCricket.com Handmade English Willow Bats they do have a cashmere range for bats 0-4 starter kits all the way to pro level kits they're based in Yorkshire there is team wear available and there is a new signature range coming soon in February bats made by cricketers for cricketers make 2021 count with Black Rat Cricket And if you're Ravi Shastri and you're talking to the ground staff in advance of this game, are you tempted to say, make this turn? You saw what happened in the second test match. England never play the turning ball with complete confidence. Isn't that India's best option for this test match? Because if it comes to being a seamer's paradise, it's Bummer against Anderson, it's Wokes against Mohamed Siraj, etc. Two very good pace attacks. It's more of a lottery for India there, whereas you'd back India's spinners against the English spinners. Yeah, I definitely think you want a little bit of turn because at any moment, Ashwin at this point is, if he's not the best spinner in the world, he's close to that. And if you put Ashwin up against Leach, you know, certainly you would pick Ashwin every time. However, you know, India's pace attack has done great within India. So we often talk about how spin plays a big role in India, and it does. Jadeja and Ashwin are the top two we could take in the last three, four years. However, followed right behind Jadeja is Umesh Yadav with uh, 63 wickets at about uh, at the average of 19 and Shami who also averages about 19. And so when you add in the fact that India's pace attack is pretty decent, if Bumrah, I think, who's going to play his second test within India and ostensibly if it's Ishant in there, you have a lot of experience coming up with Ishant and Bumrah being one of the best in the world. So I don't think the Indian pace attack is that far behind either. I, I don't actually think it's behind. That was the point of the question, really, that I think the, the two pace attacks are actually quite evenly matched. Whereas if you actually just go on the spin and it's a shootout between the spinners, India win that hands down for me. Absolutely. And that's where I do think that you want a little bit of turn in there. And that's where I think Ashwin comes to four. And depending on who the second spinner is, it should make uh, things interesting. Akshar Patel has really given a good uh, accounting of himself in the last test, and there might be an option to play him again this test. Ash, the second test match, a lot was talked about that pitch. I wasn't particularly impressed with the first day it going through the surface, but I think just in general, going across the four days of that game, it didn't deteriorate too much. The the ball just continued to just have that little bit of a puff as it hit the hit the ground. And I actually thought, you know, looking back with hindsight, I thought the English supporters were a little bit too, oh, it's all the pitch's fault. It's nothing to do with England. You, as an English team going to India, you don't expect to win a series without facing some turning pitches, do you? And I actually thought it was a joy to watch the spinning, spinning contest. You know, you, you get a game on a hard, bouncy track. Fantastic to watch. You know, the ball leaping around, the batsman ducking and diving, being, being hit on the shoulders, etc. The spin bowling is just as exciting. It, it was good to see, to see, obviously, the spinners dominating the game. I don't think there's anything wrong in the subcontinent with it being a spin-dominated game. I'd, I still think the pitch was poor in general, as in, you look at the delivery that got Joe Root on the last day and I don't think any man in the world would manage to, to defend it. And I, I, as much as I like Axel Patel, 
I don't think he can claim full credit to, for that delivery. He, how on earth he managed to bounce and turn that much was, was unbelievable. One team managed to make 600 plus runs and the other team made nowhere near. Yeah, one oh yeah, that England were, as I have said the whole time, England were extreme, we're poor. We were way below par in India. We're, we're much better and that's to be expected. We, we know we aren't, we haven't got the spinners that are as good. We know that our batsmen aren't as used to it. So, it's something they've got to adapt to and learn quickly. And you can't blame the pitch for the loss at all. Whether, whether a pitch should be behaving like that for all four days or not isn't by the by when you don't play anywhere near good enough. And we could have played on a flat track and I think India would have beaten us because we were way below our par and India were, were very, very good side throughout. There wasn't. They were maybe a little bit shaky in their first innings at Rohit Sharma did, did the job and that's alongside Pant that was basically what won them the game probably on the first day if we're being honest I thought the first two sessions were maybe slightly easier to bat than the rest of them but again any English fan that was blaming the toss I saw so many comments on the on the first day or England have lost the toss that means that England are going to lose this test match I think actually if in, if both teams had played the same standard Ash England would have still lost that game because India just played significantly better than the English team yeah that's it I think in, it was you could have played anywhere either way round whether it was England batting first or India and as you say India would would have won they were just a much better team across the four days I don't think there was any real period I guess you could maybe say possibly the first session was it of the last day England were probably had the better better session but even then you really are desperate if you're going to if you're going to claim that whereas England dominated the five days of the first test. They were just totally dominated for, for four days and people can can try and blame the pitch or the umpiring but the reality of it was is that we weren't good enough and India were, were comfortably more than good enough. And as an Englishman, I'm, I'm watching this series in India. I'm expecting it to be spin bowling. I'm expecting it to turn. I'm expecting it to be a challenge from that perspective. You know, in the, in the old days, you'd go to the West Indies, you'd see Mike Gatting spitting out teeth and, and the, his nose bits in the, in the ball. You know, you, you expected that those kind of surfaces to be fast and, and favouring their home side. I don't think England or English fans will be watching this series at all surprised, surely, that it's spinning. And it's actually a joy to watch a quality spinner at work. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. You know, you want to see seeming and swinging conditions and you also want to see tests played where the ball is spinning. Now, certainly, was this just slow spin that wasn't bouncing up? That certainly wasn't the case. The pitch certainly was challenging. I think it makes the viewing different. There's a different set of skills that's required to survive on this pitch. I think Kohli's second inning was really incredible masterclass on in how you play spin. You know, yeah. go forward, come back, and really make those moments very definitive to spin. If you're caught halfway in the middle, it's going to be a tough day for you. And you saw that across, you know, batsmen on both uh, on both teams. One of the things that we often see on social media is some of the perceptions, I think, need to be reviewed at. So in this Chennai test, I think it was 44 balls per dismissal. Now, there are 39 tests in the last 10 years with a lower balls per dismissal average. 12 of those 39 ratios have been English venues. And Lords is featured in five times in there. I think the way for all the viewers to look at some of this is we're going to be playing at Lords. It is going to be swinging and it's going to be seeming. And this is how it's going to be. So it's going to be a challenge to play those conditions. But that's what you expect when you go to England. When you come to India, you're going to expect spin. And you should, if England won on four roads and it was batting friendly conditions and the pace bowlers were having the, you know, more of a say, I'd actually be 
quite disappointed, to be honest, even if England won the series. I mean, the, the only sort of counter-argument to what you've just said, Anand, is that obviously a lot of the wickets in England can be good wickets, but it can be the overhead conditions that favour the bowlers. You get swing, get the a bit of moisture in the air, and that uh, can bring the seamers into it. It can be a very good wicket, but wickets can tumble because of the overheads, whereas the wickets fell in, uh, in Chennai because off the pitch, didn't they? Uh, certainly, but also, you know, we've seen the ball swing on hot days in South Africa and we see the balls swing in flat pitches in the West Indies where it's again hot, right? So I think we got to take a look and say, okay, maybe it's the overhead conditions that do it. But Ashwin made a great point in uh, one of those press conferences after. He would think that a ball spinning uh, at 80, 90, uh, 80, 90 kilometers per hour is slightly different than a ball seeming after it pitches at about 85 to 90 miles per hour. You know, there's, there is a difference to that. So is it challenging? Absolutely. But it's also fun. And we have seen when batsmen can actually play well on the pitch, it is a it is an art. Uh, we've certainly seen Root succeed, certainly maybe not this test match, but we see that Root has those tools to succeed here. We saw folks do very well in the first inning as well. So, you know, certainly I think some of it comes down to how you look at the game and how you kind of deal with the conditions. So I actually thought the first test was a bit more of a toss-up with who won the toss. With the second test, the ball was spinning from day one. Even India in the first, when India started off, things were not looking that great. Kohli went, I think, within uh, before lunch. And then afterward in the second session, once Rahane and Rohit started to get used to the bounce, the ball was slightly getting softer, things started to settle down. So we have to take a look at this and say that, you know, this is how the pitches might play in India. And again, you know, if you're... If you're up to it, a good team can easily play well on it. And I think England actually is the last team that did do that. In 2012, they were spinning wickets and England won that series because of how well Cook played and how well Swan and Parnasar bowled. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Ash, Jeroot made the comment after the second test that there's a lot in that England 11 that um, haven't played in India, haven't faced these conditions before. They've got to learn quickly. They've got to look at the first and second test match and get some kind of game plan going into the third test match. But even, I mean, to be honest, even the guys from the England team that had played there before, the Roots and the Stokeses, didn't have a terrific second test match anyway. One thing that strikes me is that a lot's been said about five wins on the bounce in Asian conditions, Sri Lanka. I felt that the surfaces in Sri Lanka were actually quite tame in comparison to that Chennai track it was predictable turn it wasn't necessarily uneven bounce the ball wasn't massively hopping up at batsmen and it's often the bounce that gets the batsman rather than the turn isn't it Chennai was a completely different kettle of fish for the England batsmen and they didn't seem to have the skills to cope with that if they're faced with that kind of thing again you you would be concerned as an English fan yeah I think you would be concerned I think you've almost hit the nail on the head there as to why I would say it was a poor pitch as in it wasn't predictable you weren't able to judge and I think that's what Root sort of came out and sort of said was was they weren't blaming the pitch but they sort of understood that they were finding it extremely difficult 
to read. Whereas you can, if you can pretty much normally read most, most tracks. So I think that was where they struggled. And I think that's where maybe it was a bit in the mind for them more than, than anything. I think they almost came out with the wrong, the wrong mindset. Well, I felt in the first innings, that was exactly the case. They saw it breaking the surface. They saw it starting to turn and England went back to the old England of being a bit scared. Yeah, we seem we seem scared because it. And I think Root get, almost gave it away in that interview. He almost says, "Oh, you sort of just knew there was a there was a ball coming for you." Well, yeah, but I guess that's always maybe something really. And every game there could be a ball that is just so good it is coming for you. And for Root this and winter, I, most of them happened sort of two days after he started his innings, haven't they? But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I, I think it was it was as much a mindset issue as it was probably a, a technical issue. I think technically we, all of the players seem to be good enough and seem like they can adapt or can learn to adapt pretty quickly from what we've seen of them elsewhere. I think it is as much for them get, getting over sort of the mindset issue. It was almost as well, not only being scared, but being scared to, to choose an approach. Yeah. I know he didn't get many in the second innings, but I was actually quite glad to just see Dad Lawrence just go out there as if to say, right, I know it's a difficult track. I know if I sit back and just try and block, I'm going to make a mistake sooner or later. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the attack to them. I didn't actually mind that. I'd didn't you quit. think it looked like there'd been a, a, a massive team talk after the first innings? Because they were too negative in that first innings. And if you allow a, a Ravi Ashwin to just bowl at you, settle into his spell, not get challenged, he's going to cause you all sorts of problems. So they'd obviously sat down after that first inning and said we need to be a little bit more positive here and come out and be slightly more attacking but I felt in the second innings it's not so much that's the wrong mindset but it's choosing which ball to go at isn't it and yeah. I don't think England have got that quite right in the second innings yeah again we we, we seem to love the sweep which I don't I, I understand has been very good for us elsewhere in Asia but as we've just said that was on almost predictable wickets you could predict the spin you could predict the bounce on a pitch like this where the bounce if, if you could predict the bounce then you're you're a much better cricketer than me, which is well, dodd. I, 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 I heard somebody's talking about the sweep shot, and he was explaining it that it's a really good scoring shot on a spinning track if the bounce is fairly sort of steady because you've, you're playing with the full length of the bat as your effect instead of the width of the bat with a straight bat shot. So by playing the sweep shot, you're giving yourself more chance to hit it and it's a, a decent out shot. And we've seen a lot of success for, as you say, Joe Root in this in Sri Lanka and in the first test match. But the problem with the sweep shot when the ball's bouncing a little bit more is that you're playing effectively, you're playing with the full length of the bat in terms of hitting the ball, but it's, you're effectively playing with the width of the bat in terms of the bounce, aren't you? And that's where we saw a few top pages yeah that was what i was just about to say i think we made we almost got we decided to go positive we decided to attack the spin but it seemed like the only way most of our players wanted to attack the spin was through the sweep shot and as you say that on that sort of track that isn't the way to go i think the aggression shown by sort of sharma and pant towards towards the the bowlers earlier on pick the right ball but they also pick the right shot to go with they went with a straight bat and even when they miscued it they got away with it because they were aggressive they played the right shot they still got enough bat on it it went over the fielders and and they survived whereas England if they got it wrong with a sweep shot it was just a nice little, little dolly catch really and I think again that's just another little thing where it was more mindset and, and the plan than it was the actual ability of the players I would say 
Let's finish today's podcast by talking about the World Test Championship. We, we obviously know um, England have got to win the last two games to to qualify for the final in the summer. India need a little bit less from the series. But and, and how much of, a, of a, an issue is that for the teams as we stand? Or is it just get one game at a time? And the second thing is, I get the feeling that for the Indian fans, this means more than maybe for England fans. I, I think with England fans have got the ashes on the horizon, other fish to fry as, as they go through. For India, without such a thing as the ashes, the World Test Championship, it maybe takes a little bit more of a priority and is more significant. It certainly takes a little, a lot more priority, especially when you consider that you know one of the premier rivalries which hasn't happened over the years is India versus Pakistan, because that will essentially be our version of the Ashes, right? Which essentially isn't happening in there. So I certainly think that the World Test Championship is fairly important. However, you know I don't think the team necessarily needs to look ahead to that because we've had two tests and everything is tied, and England is a very good team. England has played very well in India. Matter of fact, if you look at some of the batting records of foreign batsmen visiting India, you'll see that Cook is up there, Root is highly up there. Root is going to go past 1,000 runs, I would think, if he plays a couple of tests. So I think this contest is still going to be very important. And there are some tough days coming ahead for both teams. You know, World Test Championship certainly looms out there, but, you know, it's really hard to say what's going to happen here. We have a ping ball test like we discussed earlier, where we don't really have an idea of what's going to really happen. I think lots to play for and, you know, certainly makes this series very exciting. Anna's just saying there it's important for Indian fans, the World Test Championship. Asha, I don't know if you agree with me. I don't think for English fans, it's the be-all and end-all. I don't think it is at all. I think if, if we're being really honest, I think most England fans would most definitely take an Ashes win, probably even take the World T20 win over the World Test Championship. And I think that's as much down to sort of the, the mixed reception it's had as a, a competition, the sort of confusing point system that has existed, which is obviously partly due to COVID but I think just it's, it's been not bought into maybe as much by, by the English fans who as you say we look ahead at that marquee series of the Ashes which rightly or wrongly is ev- is, seems to be every English fan's uh, biggest moment the pinnacle and English fans aren't aren't too fussed I think maybe if it was a case if we were at home and a, a 3 or 4 four nil win against India would have put us into the World Test Championship final we'd maybe be a little bit more because we feel like it's a bit more likely but I, I don't I don't think it's particularly in many English fans' heads at the moment. In a way, it's almost better for the English Test team if they don't qualify, isn't it? Because they already got 17 Test matches this year. They're talking about all of these different games and all of these different priorities on the horizon. That they yeah, you know, a World Test Championship final complicates that even further, doesn't it? Yeah, I certainly don't think um, the England players will be particularly wanting yet another Test forced in there. I understand the ECB need to try and make some money and make up for for last year. I can't blame them for that at all. But I don't think they'd want it going up to it. It'd then be 18 Tests for the year, and it becomes a very Heavy, very big workload, and again, even more working parts into this. This sort of almost strange year we're going to have again, whereby it's not just as simple as always picking the first eleven names. And, and I can't remember what your prediction was at the start of this series in terms of the uh, series scoreline. Can you remind me? It was three-one for India, and I'd hearken back to that India-England series that India actually played in England, where I thought that. India lost 4-1, but India were in play for three of those four tests that they lost. I thought it was going to be a close series with India winning some of the key moments in there and thereby enabling India to win 3-1. I mean, 
anticipating you're going to tell me that you still expect 3-1 to be the, the case? I certainly think so. I certainly expect a result unless there's an absolute flat wicket somewhere out there. It still is going to be very heavily contested. I see this series still being very close. Uh, we have certainly seen what we saw in the first test that this is a very competent Indian, uh, English team that's made it here. Certainly some of the batsmen are sort of new and raw. The bowling firepower is there. So uh, I'm curious to see, you know, what happens in the next two tests. I actually also had a question for you guys. Some of the comments, it certainly makes sense that Ashes is the number one cricket rivalry for the English fans. From a test perspective, what comes second? Ooh, um, I'd su- I would suggest Ashes is definitely by far and away, as, as you say, the, the kind of pinnacle. Uh, and I think any young kid would be looking at that. If you kind of got your dreams and ambitions, scoring a century in an Ashes test or something would be the right at the top of the tree. But probably India would be second now on, on the on the charts. So I think from my perspective, I think this series in India is certainly the most challenging away tour that England have. And therefore, because of the challenge and because of the potential for you know, taking that challenge on and coming away with success, I would suggest that this tour of India is, is is not far behind these days, Ash. Yeah, I think that the Ashes probably stands way clear. I'd say for most for most fans, and then it, it there's not much probably between the rest. I think it, the moment it'd be India because most people would consider India one of the best teams, if not the best team. So that probably puts it a little bit probably puts it into second place above the rest where maybe people will think we we, sh- we should be beating the other sides other than probably New Zealand. We should be beating them. That probably makes the, the India series the, the next most important to most England fans. Ash, when it comes to this series, um, we've had two very one-sided games, haven't we, so far? Um, was it 218, 318 run margins in, in the test so far? What I would love to see is a close encounter in this one. I'm not that bothered who wins it, but I want to see a really close game going down to the wire. Hopefully, this is the this is where we see it. I'd, I'd predicted 3-1 and gone for one absolute thrashing of England. England to win one and then two close games. So I'm hoping that that's where we're going to go to now. And I'd like to think that we can get a win or we can nick a draw. But as you say, I, I would be just happy to see, see two close games now because to compete in India, well, win the test and then compete very closely in two, I think would be a massive, massive success for what is still a, a almost growing and developing England side. It starts on Wednesday morning, nine o'clock in the UK. And uh, I am really looking forward to it. One apiece in the series, massive ground in Ahmedabad. And it's going to be really exciting to see the players walking out onto that surface with 55,000 people potentially in the ground as well, which sounds massive, but it's going to be half half empty. That's three headingleys, three full headingleys. It's going to be half uh, half the crowd in Ahmedabad. It just shows you how big that stadium is. Can't wait for that to start on Wednesday. Anand and Ash, thank you very much for being on today. Cheers, James. Cheers, Anand. Cheers, guys. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back every single day during England's tour of India. So I've been James the Cricket Badger. I'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We will be back every day during England's tour of India. Get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on Twitter. We hope you are enjoying the cricket. See you again tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.